Hello, 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 and welcome to my podcast, That Show Fuck Me Up. It is I, the beautiful, the talented, the funny, your host, Mariel Vizcarra. Cue in the applause. What is up, fucked up fam? It's your girl. You already know the drill. Look, let's get started because this is going to be a long ass episode. So let's start with personal. Um, I'm recording this on May 15th, 2022. It's a Sunday. I am tired. I had a really cool weekend, actually. Uh, and I wanted to give you a quick overview of my weekend. So Friday, I went to work, obviously. And then um, I hung out with my friend Kelly and her friends. We went to North Park. We went to my favorite bar in North Park, 619 Spirits. Uh, Shout out to 619 Spirits. Honestly, if you're from San Diego and you haven't been to 619 Spirits, what are you doing with your life? I drank two of my favorite drinks, the Pickle Tickle. Look, honestly, at this point, if you don't like pickles, grow up. Uh, better your fucking taste buds, my dudes, because pickles are amazing. Anything pickled is amazing, honestly, if we really think about it. Uh, so yes, I'm a hot pickle girl. It is what it is, you know, it is what it is. You either, you're either a hot girl or you're not. And if you don't like pickles, I think you're in the not, uh, area. Sorry, not sorry. Let's see what else. We, and then afterwards we went dancing lots and lots of fun and then I just came back home and yeah that that was it for Friday but I had a lot a lot of fun Saturday I got my shit together and by doing that means that I got really cute and then I went to go get a drink by myself look I had this plan right I there was a, a concert on Saturday or like a music thing that I wanted to go to but when the tickets went for sale I was in Kabul and my little brain, my teeny tiny brain thought, oh, I'll just buy the tickets once I'm back in the States. But when I come back, come to find out the event is sold the fuck out. And look, I try to get a couple of resale tickets, but, you know, when I reached out to the person, they had already sold them, blah, blah, blah. I couldn't go. But there was an event happening in Barrio Logan, and it's basically like this art crawl event that happens, I believe, every uh, second Saturday of the month. There's that event. So I was like, oh, and like it starts at this brew house called Mujeres Brew House. And I had heard about it before, and it's like a female-owned brewery. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go. I don't have anyone to go to this event to, but I'm still going to go because I am an independent woman. I look amazing, if I do say so myself. Like the Yiddies were out, my makeup on point, hair on point. And, you know, who am I? Who am I to deny the world of seeing me when I look bomb as fuck? Am I right, fucked up, fam? Whenever you're doubting yourself or whenever you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't go out, I don't have no one to go with, and you're looking bomb, and even if you're not, and like all of my listeners are bomb, I know that already. So if you're doubting going out by yourself, just think about why would I deny the world the opportunity to see me out and about? That's the mentality that we got to have. That is literally the mentality. And honestly, I was still hoping that I could get into the venue because it was also in Barrio Logan. 
um because I DM'd like someone that I knew that maybe could get me in and uh like they said that they were gonna try to get tickets but like it didn't end up working out it's fine it's fine but maybe I should I should have done better on my quid pro quo you know <laughs> like what can I do to get some tickets you know what I mean you know Mm-mm, just kidding just kidding disregard that was a joke that was a joke quid pro quo not good not good well no well <laughs> besides the point irrelevant um let's see what else so there i went i came back i ordered doordash great fucking night i was in bed early because i had to get up early on sunday to get ready for the event of the weekend me and my friend Alyssa went to emo brunch yes so emo brunch was basically something that i found online and they were coming to like different cities cities take a shot and i was like oh yeah yeah you want to go with me yeah yeah is what i call Alyssa. and Alyssa's like hell yeah so we bought our tickets in advance it was today it was so much fun they were playing all the bangers of our emo days yes if you were not emo you're you're not a hot girl right now if you were not emo in middle school you were a jock so basically you were trash But yeah, we had so much fun. We dressed up. We dressed up to theme. If you want to see pictures of my outfit for our emo brunch, go check out my uh, personal Instagram, which is, uh, I don't know my Instagram handle. It is MarielVZ underscore 95. Yes, I look so, I look so good. Like, you're welcome, people out in downtown that got to see me. Um, and my friend Alyssa, oh my gosh, she took the best pictures of me, and I took the best pictures of her. She looked amazing. <laughs> and we were actually talking about fucking Pen15. Um, I don't know if you if y'all saw this uh, TikTok going around, and it was like Emma Chamberlain, 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 Emma Chamberlain, Chamberlain. Okay, besides the point, I don't know how to pronounce that name. But I bet you she wouldn't be able to pronounce my first name. So I guess we're even. And she was uh, in the red carpet for the Met Gala. And she was like kind of doing an interview on Gigi Hadid. And they start talking. And they literally talked like um, fucking Anna and Maya from Pen15. They were like, you look so good right now. Did you just dye your hair? Slay. Big slay. You look gorge. And then Emma Chamberlain was like, stop it. Stop it. And that's exactly how the fucking protagonists of Pen15 talk to each other. Big slay. It was, you look beautiful. You're so beautiful. Um, why? Why? Oh, yeah. Because I was, I was like, why did I get here? How did we get here to this um, converse, topic of conversation? But I guess I was, like, hyping up Alyssa talking like that. Like, I was like, oh, my God, you look so good. Yes, queen. Yes, slay, big slay. Um, but I think that's it for my weekend. Now I'm here. Oh, and I, bro, I had the best fucking burger at Emo Brunch. It was, like, a burger, like, big with bacon, cheese, and a sunny side egg. Uh, oh, my God. It was so good. It was so good. And they had black mimosas the color black mimosas and the and i think it was infused with lavender it was so good yes to emo brunch if they're ever in san diego again go get tickets and go it was a lot of fun 
And let's see. And I think that's it. Now I'm here recording. Well, I was working on taking notes for episode three, and now I'm uh, recording episode two. So, you know, got to get shit done because during the week, this gal is very, very fucking busy. And also, I am low energy and I get tired after work, and I'm probably going to have to work OT this week. So, I'm going to be even more fucking tired. So that's my life right now. Everything's good. Everything's dandy. I mean, I don't really. Do you guys care do, about my life? <laughs> do you like like skip through my like uh, updates and recommendations corner and then just go straight to actually me going through the episode? Let me know what you think. Actually, my recommendations corner is not. I don't have a lot of shit. I have been watching like um, highlights from this this show um and it's hosted by seaway bro she just like uh had shed hanks on her show it was the cringiest fucking interview ever but it was so good so if you're into cringy shit like i like pen 15 because it's so cringy and i like seaway because she makes her like guests really really uncomfortable it was so good it was so funny and Shed Hanks is basically the black sheep from the, the Hanks family. So the Hanks family, as if I fucking know them. Tom Hanks and his wife, um, that Shed Hanks is basically like, you know, the disappointment of the family. Uh, but it was a really good interview. And what's that other, um, I, I follow her on TikTok and also her interviews are really cringy. It's that uh, that British gal, uh, the chicken shop date interviews i don't know i watched her rosalia one and it was so good so are those type of things making a comeback also should i start uh, uh an advice corner that would be so much fun like what if i just gave you wild advice no but then you would follow no no i would get sued the repercussions what am i thinking what if i did it playing around maybe i could do it in my personal instagram i was like oh ask me for advice and i'll give you my um you know unfiltered thoughts or suggestions and then just go off of that i feel like that would be so much fun I'm in my chaotic uh, energy right now, like living my life. I'm 26 years old. I mean, I should have been past that, like maybe in my early 20s. Uh, But now I feel like, I don't know, it's because if it's the pandemic and now I feel like I missed out on two years of my life when I was at my fucking prime. I mean, I'm still in my prime, but very important years of my life like i turned 25 like tw- like most of my 24 and then 25 and now i'm 26 well obviously that's how fucking age works oh but i am feeling very chaotic like i want to cause chaos like i want to do hood rest shit with my friends uh like megan the motherfucking stallion said i don't know so if you want to do hood rest shit with me hit me up and let's do hood rest shit together and actually speak speaking of hood rest shit uh, my friend Terry uh, saw, uh, heard that I wanted to hang out and eat Korean food and drink soju and just have fun. And we made plans for this week. And my friend Vicky, who who is Terry's roommate, um, all is also going to come. And we're friends from high school. So I'm really, really excited. Shout out to both Terry and Vicky. Thank you for listening and being uh, 
devoted, devoted fans of not just the podcast, but okay. So I forgot to mention this when I was in North Park on Friday, Terry sent me a video and they were watching one of my old Dale Gas videos. For those of you that don't know, I, I have a YouTube page where I would do like videos of either cooking or going to local restaurants and giving like my reviews and shit like that. And they were watching one of my old videos uh on their fucking tv like doing that on a friday night and i was like oh my god like i feel so loved right now so yeah shout out to both of you y'all are the greatest the bestest the realest yes you are but honestly at this point i think <laughs> i think this intro is a little long and like i said bro something that i had forgotten oh wait no something that i had forgotten about fucking the haunting of hill house and the mike flanagan universe these episodes are lengthy so note taking has been a bitch like literally this past episode that i was just taking my notes on i think i've like started and stopped like three times already and i'm halfway through so <laughs> it's a process dude taking notes for these shows are a process but i'm here because i like it and because you know i'm having fun and lastly, I do want to recommend the episode of the Chatty Fox uh, podcast uh, where uh, the guest was Adela, uh, Nasty Adela on Twitter, and I believe Twitter and Instagram. I, I'm not sure if she's Nasty Della on both of them. It was so good. They talk all things sex. All things kinks, um, you know, personal kinks, what their fantasies are. It was so good. I had the time of my life listening to it because it just felt like like girl talk. Girl talk, not talk. Uh, take a shot. It felt like girl talk. You know, we all love talking about that shit. We all do. And if you don't, you just haven't talked about it enough. <laughs> and if you don't, stop being a fucking prude. Am I right? Just kidding. No, I respect you if you don't want to talk about your sex life with me. But I mean, I'm nosy and I want to know what's going on. And I want to tell you about mine. <laughs> but all right, I think that is it. So let's get started with episode two. <laughs> Alrighty, episode two of Midnight Mass is called Book Two, Psalms. The episode opens up with a bunch of seagulls eating the carcasses of dead cats that washed up ashore and the sheriff, the sheriff is there inspecting what happened. He calls Warren over and asks if he can go tell the mayor, the mayor's wife, and Miss Keene to stay far away because uh, they don't have gloves on. Because I guess some people are starting to clean the shore by disposing of these dead cats and they don't know if they're infected. Miss Keene tries to fight it, but she and the mayor's wife go uh, up like farther away and the mayor goes over to the sheriff to ask why this happened. Uh, the mayor tells him that back in 20, 2002, a bunch of starlings washed up ashore and how there might not be an answer as to why that happened. He asks if he thinks that if it was an oil spill that did this and the sheriff tells him to take a look at something and he picks up one of the dead cats and he shows the mayor that it has some sort of bite mark on its neck. The mayor is happy to know that it's not oil and the sheriff shows him how the cat's neck is broke and how they have no blood so, they're not, so their necks uh, would have been broken before they got ashore. Uh, Ali, the sheriff's son, gets there carrying some gasoline and the sheriff asks him why he brought so little. 
The mayor wants to know why he's getting gas, and the sheriff tells him how he figured that they would burn the dead cats in case they were infected, and the mayor tries to fight it, but the sheriff calls it a matter of public safety. Ali goes out to get some more gas, and the mayor changes the subject and tells the sheriff how he's got a good kid, and that tells him that they should be more involved and stopped by church one of these days. And let me remind you that the sheriff and his son are practicing Muslims. Like, how fucking rude, dude. Like, I know, like, you're the mayor of this town, and you're Catholic, but don't put your religion onto someone else. Like, respect other people's religion, bro. And the mayor makes sure that he's not trying to convert him or anything, that he will, and that by doing this, the sheriff will gather some brownie points with the community and let them know that he wants to be more involved. The sheriff and the mayor uh, get to where Riley and his dad, Ed, are standing, and the sheriff lets them know that they're going to burn the carcasses. Ed tells them that Riley had been out on the beach during the storm, but that he had not seen any cats. And they ask why he had been out there like it was raining hella hard. And he tells them that he thought that he had seen something or someone, Monsignor Pruitt. The mayor laughs and says that he's that the Monsignor is on the mainland. And then the mayor asks Riley how he is doing and how they prayed for him every week. And then Aaron gets there at the perfect moment and, and to get Riley away from the mayor and his comments. And he goes over to her. He tells her that he read somewhere about cats and pregnant people. And actually, I read about it too. So let me explain what it is. Pregnant women and people who have compromised immune systems should take precautions against toxoplasmosis. A pregnant woman is advised to avoid contact with cats as her unborn child is at increased risk of birth defects if parasites cross the placenta. So this this is real. <laughs> but Erin calls toxoplasmosis a myth and how women are more likely to get it from gardening. But Riley still tells her that it's a lot of cats and that it's better to be saved than sorry. So she should stay away. Aaron wants to know what happened and how it looks like every stray from the uppers and then the uppers remembers where they go to smoke weed and drink and then Riley apologizes for trauma dumping on her the night before and she says that she doesn't he doesn't have to apologize and that at least he found his purpose and he jokes and says dispose disposing of wildlife. He asks if she remembers that Monsignor Pruitt always wore this very distinct coat and hat, and then he stops himself from telling her what he thinks he saw during the storm. He uh, tells her that he has to go to the mainline for a meeting, one of the terms for his probation, and then he tells her to stay away from the cats, and she jokingly responds, don't tell me what to do, which is something me and my friends love to do, like, take care, and they're like, don't tell me what to do, or like, do this, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't tell me what to do is always our response. I'll cut to Father Paul in church and it's like church is about to start and there's literally only three people there. While the church music is playing, we're seeing Riley getting to his meeting. So we get intercuts of both scenes happening at the same time. Father Paul giving mass and Riley during his AA meeting. After the church uh, service, Father Paul is walking Lisa home as she rides on her motorized wheelchair. Lisa goes to church daily because I guess after you have lost mobility in your legs, you get to focus on your faith and man, you got to focus your faith in mankind somewhere else. And Lisa asked him where he was before coming to their town and how the people are really nosy and want to know. And Father Paul just tells her that if they want to know that they could just ask him directly and he will tell them. 
Father Paul also tells her that the past is important, but not as important as their future destination and how every place he was before was leading him there to Crockett Island. He tells her uh, he tells her that points everyone to their destination. I don't know what the fuck I wrote here. I'm sorry, you fucked up, fam. I'm looking at my notes. This does not make any sense. <laughs> so as they're walking, Lisa stops right on her tracks, and she's just staring at Joe, who is the town drunk, and his dog. And Father Paul notices and waves at Joe, and Joe is like, oh, shit, and then turns around and goes the opposite direction. And Father Paul asks Lisa if she's okay, and she responds uh, that she is before like continuing. And okay, so we can definitely tell that there's some tension between Lisa and Joe from the way that she was mad-dogging the shit out of him. Cut to Erin in her classroom, and she's cleaning her windows, and she walks to the cleaning supply closet, and she sees Miss Keen getting something, and she, like, sneaks up on her, so Miss Keen is startled. Erin tells her that she needs, needs a new Windex, and Miss Keen is like, have you tried adding some water to the solution? That way you can get more out. What is fucking cheapskate dude like just give her the fucking kleenex i mean windex windex i can't i can't speak erin <laughs> tells her that she threw out the bottle already but that she will definitely do that technique the next time and miss keen tells erin that her mother who was also a teacher in that same school would bring back the empties to the closet and fill them with water because she was so against waste and how she would have to throw them out herself Erin goes on and says, oh, that is funny because at home, she never met a bottle she couldn't empty. And Miss Keen just hands her the Windex and Erin notices that she has like, uh, I believe it's 1090 and it's kind of like rat poison in her hands. And Erin asks what she's going to use that for. And Miss Keen tells her that there are a lot of rats uh, right now due to the cats washing up ashore. Miss Keen tells her that she plans to sprinkle some poison right outside her house to be safe. And then cut to Father Paul getting to Sarah's house, and she's surprised to see him there. And he mentions how Monsignor Pruitt let him know that prior to, to her mother's health declining, that she would never miss daily mass. And Sarah mentions how her mom was a very devout. Sarah tells her mom that someone is there to see her, and she's in bed looking as frail as ever. And she looks over at Father Paul, and she confuses him for Monsignor Pruitt. And he makes a joke about how that's an easy mistake since him and Monsignor Pruitt have the same tailor. Dad joke, am I right? So basically, uh, Father Paul is there to give the body, the body and the blood of Christ. And this brought me some memories because um, my great-grandparents, when they were already too old to go to church, someone from the church would come and give them the same thing. Like they would just give them like... Um, you know, the little wafer and give them some wine and do some prayers with them right from their house. Sarah leaves them alone and Father Pruitt looks at her at uh, Mildred, Sarah's mom, very fondly with like a lot of care and admiration. Cut back to Riley getting back to the island and he passes by Aaron's house and like he like sees her but doesn't stop. And she like stops him by saying, are you really walking by without saying hello? Uh, and she's like eager to have him stay and invites him for tea, but he declines. And then she asks him how his day was. And he responds, wow, it's been a long time since someone asked me that, insinuating that no one asked that in prison. He asks her how her day was and they have a flirty back and forth. And she does a little shark tank pitch of what her daily routine 
is as a pregnant woman to lighten the mood. She tells him that she wakes up with morning sickness. Then she goes to teach at a classroom where everyone thinks she's an idiot. And then at city council, she's slut shamed by Beverly Keene because she's having a child out of wedlock. And how that is followed by an hour of evening morning sickness. He tells her that, you know, they laugh about it. And he tells her that he has to get going to not keep his parents waiting. And she says how some things never change and gives an anecdote of him sneaking out of her room to make curfew before he heads out. Cut to Riley's mom, Annie, uh, pricking herself with a sewing needle by accident. And she like sucks on her finger. And then when she pulls her hand to look at it, she notices that her vision is kind of blurry with her glasses on. But when she takes off her glasses, her like vision focuses. Riley then walks in and she asks how his day was and he just stands there and doesn't say anything. We then see Riley in bed again and he's just laying on his side uh, staring at something and then it cuts to what he always sees. The, that girl with the bloody head and the cop car sirens in the background. And Riley says, how was your day? It also cuts to him in a small boat, which I assume is a dream. And then the scene is intercut with what he saw when he thought he saw Monsignor Pruitt the day of the storm. Then we are seeing something or someone flying around Crockett Island because we're seeing like the island from whatever's flying around. And then it stops inside an abandoned house. The next morning, uh, and Father Paul and the altar boys, Warren and his friend, Uker, are putting some hay inside a tin and lighting it on fire. So there are more people today in church, and the mayor, his wife, and Lisa get there, and they're welcomed by Beth Keen, who is complaining about how some people only go to church during important holidays, and if it weren't for those days, they wouldn't come at all. I mean, the church is fuller this time because it's Ash Wednesday, I'm assuming. So more than three people are there. And Father Paul is asking why they aren't there every Sunday and how Ash Wednesday is when they wear their sins on their forehead. So Father Paul is basically calling out the, the congregation like, bro, like you're here today, but you're not here daily uh, like some people are, or you're not here during Sundays at the very fucking least. Um, and he's definitely an amazing fucking preacher. The actor who plays Father Paul, my respects, bro. He is playing this uh, fucking, you know, uh, this character so well. He's so good that I would almost call, call him a cult leader. That's how good his fucking sermons are. And he gets really inspired and compares the people of Crockett Island to Jesus' first disciples since they were also fishermen. And he tells them that the gates and nests are always open. And Bev Keen has fucking tears in her eye. People are inspired. Even Aaron looks like the, these words are hitting her heart. So, you know, the fucking summary I just gave right now does not give... <laughs> the fucking sermon actually justice so if you haven't watched midnight mass go this is one of the scenes that you have to watch and he ends it with that's what it means to have faith that in the darkness in the worst of it in the absence of light we sin restore us we sing to the sky he will that same hand that gave you hardship will also give you hope then he puts the cross with the ashes and he tells all of them, remember, you are dust and to dust you should return. Annie convinces Riley to go up there and get the cross and Riley obliges since it isn't like the sacrament. And Father Paul and Riley have an awkward moment and then we see Beth Keen put the cross in Father Paul's forehead. 
Cut to this festival that the town is having right after the church service. The whole island is there. There's music and food. And Beth Keen is giving the sheriff and Ali an overview of what the festival is. And the sheriff just thanks her for the invite and how they're glad to be there. Cut to Sarah, uh, also at the festival. And she's there with a woman who is her date. And her date tells her that she has to get out of Crockett Island because it is exactly how she described it to her. Sarah explains that she can't transport her mother and this is all her mom has ever known and where she wants to be, like live out the rest of her days. Then Sarah's date notices that Father Paul is staring at them and Sarah explains how he is new but that the old Monsignor would also stare at her like that when she was a kid and that she always thought, he knows I'm gay. <laughs> Riley is just, and then it cuts to Riley just sitting alone by a bench being antisocial typical Riley behavior, and Father Paul approaches him and sits down next to him. Father Paul explains how Easter is always his favorite time because it has everything to do with renewal, restoration, and Riley interrupts and asks if Monsignor Pruitt will be coming back anytime soon. And just a quick little anecdote, something that happened today, me and my friends were talking, and then we were like, honestly, Easter's probably like the sexiest holiday. Obviously, we were like making a joke about it. And then I was like, he had risen. And something else has risen too. <laughs> but I'm okay. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry if you're super religious and I'm making religious jokes. But honestly, if you're super fucking religious, I don't expect you to be listening to my podcast because um, I'm a woman. I'm a liberal. I curse a lot. I uh, don't believe in societal norms. Um, I believe abortion is a right and everyone should have access to abortion rights and i yeah no if you're religious too religious to the point where you can't see other people's views i don't think you should be listening to my podcast tbh sorry <laughs> all right um so blah 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 father paul tells um tells riley that the monsignor is doing better not great but that he speaks fondly of him. And Riley shares with Father Paul how the day of the storm, he, sw he swore he saw Monsignor Pruitt walking around the beach. Father Paul tells him that he spoke to the Monsignor when he first got to Crockett Island and jokes about unless he swam here, there was no way that could have been him. Father Paul also confesses to Riley that Monsignor Pruitt is not going anywhere anytime soon due to his declining health. Riley tells him that he appreciates his time, that there are probably other people that want to speak with him, and that he shouldn't spend time with the town Piranha. Piranha? Piranha? Piranha. Take a shot. Or with the fucking black sheep of the town. And Father Paul tells Riley that he was thinking of starting an AA chapter in the chapel, and how even though there's no demand for that sort of program, that there's definitely a need, and how that would save him a trip to the mainland. And this is where we find out that Joe... The town drunk was the one that paralyzed Lisa during a hunting accident. Riley says that he wouldn't call it much of a like an accident because Joe was just shooting to shoot. And Father Paul continues and says that he could be a good influence to the community as someone who is sober and he could influence other people, a.k.a. Joe, to do the same. Erin interrupts and asks if she can step in and Father Paul tells her that it's fine and Father Paul just tells Riley to think about it and think about what he said and that there won't be any hard feelings if he doesn't like like the idea of an AA um, chapter in Crockett Island. 
then it cuts to someone we don't know who we we don't see who giving joe's dog a hot dog and then back to aaron and riley and they're just walking around and they're laughing about how now that they're adults none of them can actually use the drink tickets that they dreamed about using when they were younger riley because he's sober and aaron because she's pregnant she also shares how her mom, who was an alcoholic, would go around asking everyone if they were going to use their drink tickets and that it wouldn't be fun for her once they got back home uh, after the festival. Riley apologizes about this and she goes on and says how her mom's memory is so present in Crocodile Island, especially because she has her same job, lives in the same house, sleeps in the same bed, and because she's alone in the same way her mom was. Oh my God, this... This thing of, like, when you have bad parents and this, like, idea of turning into them and, like, seeing, like, Riley put herself in, like, this. Or, like, how everyone sees her as her mom just because she's doing the same things as she was. But then Riley reminds her that she's nothing like her mother and that she will be a great, that she will be great as a teacher, as a mother, and everything else she chooses to do with her life. Then out of nowhere, Joe starts screaming his dog's name over and over again. And he is holding him as Pike pukes out blood. And then all of a sudden, Pike, the dog, stops moving and he's gone. Joe asks, what happened? Who did this? Who did it? And honestly, so Joe is played by uh, Mr. Dudley from The Haunting of Hill House. And this line, dude, these lines reminded me so much of when the Dudleys get to Hill House right after Olivia has killed herself and their daughter is also dead. And like he asked those same questions to uh, fucking fucking Hugh. They're like, who did this? What happened? So the delivery was very nostalgic of what we've already seen in the haunting of hill house and all the town is gathered around him just staring at him hold his dead dog in his arm and he keeps asking who did this and why would anyone want to help uh, why would anyone want to hurt a helpless little dog and he just hugs and the, the dog and cries the sheriff approaches him and asks him if he knows what happened and joe yells out that his dog was poisoned and he says you don't like me shit i I don't, I don't care about me so much either, but what did he ever do to you? Sarah steps up and tries to help and ask if anyone saw him eat anything. Sarah says that it might be a horrible accident, and he yells out, an accident? But then he notices the mayor and his family, so Lisa, the mayor, his wife, are staring at him, and he just goes back to hugging his dog silently. The sheriff tells the people to give him some space, and then Joe looks up and gives death, Beth Keen a death stare as she walks away calmly. Cut to the next morning, and Ed and Warren are eating breakfast, and Riley asks if he can help out in the boat with them, and Ed is hesitant at first, but he agrees to let him go. It's another day at church, and it's only Annie and Lisa getting there, and Beth Keen says how she thinks... Uh, that things are back to normal and how it's funny how people stop coming once they've got their ashes. We then get intercut scenes of the boys in the boat and they're not catch catching any fish at all and the few people in mass and we can see some mirroring of no people at church versus no fish being caught. Interesting. And I guess Beth also works at the school or she's able to just roam there freely because she tells some kids to go home and she opens the door to the storage closet and then the sheriff sneaks up behind her, similar to how Erin did in the beginning of the episode. 
and the sheriff asks what she what no Beth sees the sheriff and she's like, Oh, what are you doing here? And how surely his job wouldn't bring him to the school. The sheriff just tells her that he's following up on an island mystery, and she's like, Oh, the cats? And she's like, No, the dead dog. <laughs> and he tells her how it's been confirmed that Pike was poisoned. And he brings up how she brought up the rat stuff after the storm. And the use of, oh, it's not 1090, it's 1080 to kill rats. And the sheriff asks, that's it behind you, right? Pointing to the actual 1080 in the storage. Beth Keen says that it is, and how after the thing with the dead cat, she figured she would put someone out around her property, and how it would be a wreck if the dog accidentally ingested some of it, and how she would be devastated if that was what killed the dog, that she would never forgive herself. Oh my god, cry me a fucking river the sheriff asks who else uh who else has access to the 1080 and she basically says that everyone does and that it would be so easy for even him to go get it if needed and she says you're right sheriff about what you're getting at i should really lock these up and the sheriff just says you have a good day beth and walks away we then see Joe coming out of his mobile home and he goes over to Bull. So that's the town drug dealer who sold the kids um, the weed in the first episode that is fixing something for him. And he pays him with a soda and some cash. The sheriff gets there and asks Bull what he's doing there. And Bull just tells him that he's helping out his buddy Joe uh, out with his generator and helps him change out the filters every once in a while. The sheriff asks. So if I try to search your pockets, that is all that I will find, air filters. And Bo just tells him that if he tries to search him, he will find a fist up his ass. Joe is like, whoa, 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 you know, you know, Bo loves to joke around and tells the sheriff that he can search whatever he wants in his property, but that his friend Bo was just leaving and how it's not his fault. He was born naturally unfunny. Bo leaves and Joe tells the sheriff that the kid was just helping him out and the sheriff calls Bo a drug dealer and Joe tells him that Bo is about the only person in the island that treats him like a human being and so he kind of wishes that everyone was a drug dealer. Joe wants to know if the sheriff has charged her and the sheriff tells her that Miss Keene insists that she had no idea what happened. Joe just keeps telling the sheriff that there was no accident and how Pike's death was intentional, but that he would not expect things to go any different and how she killed the she killed the island with a fucking settlement and how he has known that woman since grade school and how everything she has done is for her own self and that he does not know uh, he does not like Beth Keen. The sheriff tells Joe that even though he doesn't like Beth Keen, um. As much as Joe does that, he, no. So let me rephrase. Joe tells the sheriff that he doesn't know Beth Keen like he does. And the sheriff agrees. Yes, I don't know her, but what I do know about her, uh, I see her for what, for who and what she truly is. And Joe just thanks him for acknowledging that. So cut to Riley and Father Paul having their first AA session. And Father Paul mentions that he didn't know it would be so awkward with only two people and how he doesn't really know how to start. Riley just says, Riley, alcoholic. They do a serenity prayer, which I don't know because I went to church in like with like a Spanish, not Spanish, like in Spanish, like they would give the mass in Spanish. So I don't know which one is the fucking serenity prayer. <laughs> There's so many fucking prayers. You don't expect me to keep tabs on all of them. <laughs> and Father Paul lets him know that they can keep it casual and just talk. 
And Riley tells uh, Father Paul that he wants to talk about the recreation center that they're currently sitting in. How Beth Keen forced the people of the town to take the settlement money from the oil company that, you know, because of the oil spill in their fucking land and how the money ended right back in the church, meaning that it went to Beth Keen since Monsignor Pruitt was already sick. So she handled the finances. Interesting. Fuck, dude. And who knows if the recreation center cost as much as what people gave her. He, uh, so and then he says starving villages with fancy churches oh you know that's one of my that is one of my many um, what do i say like thoughts regarding religion like organized religion uh starving villages and fans with fancy churches yes 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 father paul is like so it's obvious to see that you're not a practicing catholic and how that is surprising since he used to be an altar boy and riley just says that he does not want to think back to that time and he knows that the father is doing him a favor but that he doesn't want to offend him or his religion Riley asks Father Paul if he knows about RR, which is rational recovery, and how it is based uh, more on reason and psychology and empowering people instead of telling them they're powerless. So he asked when he asked about RR, he's like, uh, <laughs> uh, what was it? Oh, like fucking like AA, but for pirates. <laughs> that was a good joke. Shout out to the writer that came up with that joke. Um, and he goes on about identifying the voice inside your head, who is the alcoholic. And he says that that has worked for him since he hasn't had a drop of alcohol in four years. And Father Paul tells him that alcohol is not what's dangerous, that it's the people that consume it and how it affects one in 12 people and how one in 12 people are alcoholics. Father Paul says that he knows that alcohol caused Riley suffering and that religion and God can turn that suffering into something good. Riley agrees that alcohol is not good or bad, but that the version of him that abused alcohol was a bad person and how he sees that version of him as a saboteur, how he always thought that he could work with it, with that person inside of him, how he would never hurt him. And then one morning he woke up and found out he killed someone. And then he corrects himself. I killed someone. I am to blame. And God just kind of let it happen. And how he can't believe in God when there's so much suffering in the world. Because if God is real, then why doesn't he fix all the issues in the world with a wave of his hand? And I think we've all struggled with this idea of like, like growing up religion and then something happens that you just can't comprehend. Where you're just like, if God is real, why would he let that happen? Why did, like in this case, in, in, in this particular scenario... Why did Riley live when he was the alcoholic, the alcoholic, and he was driving under the influence, and then that little girl died? You know what I mean? That's that's what's so hard about faith and religion and believing in a higher power, that they're there and they choose to let all this suffering happen. And then... Um, he brings up how everyone just tolerates the fact that Lisa Scarborough now wheels herself around town and how Joe is slowly drinking himself to death with phrases like, God works in mysterious ways. Riley says that nothing good came from his drinking. Nothing good came from killing that girl and how nothing good has come from Joe's drinking and how nothing good will come from Lisa never being able to walk again. He goes on and says how the 
The only thing that lets people stand by and do fucking nothing is the idea that suffering is a gift from God. What a monstrous idea, Father. Father Paul takes a second and says that there's nothing in scripture that shows that God negates personal accountability, but that he believes that God can take something awful from someone and turn it into something else, something beautiful. Cut to Erin looking at old pictures in her house and she hears something upstairs, but she just ignores it. But the thudding sound gets more noticeable as if someone was walking in her roof and then a thud is heard by her window. She slowly gets up and walks towards her window, and she sees a tall man in a long red coat and a hat walk away quickly. Then we see Aaron taking a piss, and she also has a window by her restroom, creepy much. Like, someone could just, like, stare in and look at you pee. That's not, no. Who built that house? No, that's a no. A peeping Tom? Oh, no, 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 no. And when she looks down in her underwear, she notices that there's like some blood, like some spotting. So cut to her at Sarah's office and Sarah's checking her stomach and making sure that there's still a heartbeat. And there is and everything is fine with the baby. And she just had some mild spotting. Erin leaves feeling relieved and she begins, she begins to go up the stairs quietly to not. Uh, so Erin leaves feeling relieved and then Sarah begins to go up the stairs quietly to not wake up her mom Mildred and then Mildred starts yelling out her name and Sarah goes up to her and her mom is also asleep by a window and she says Sarah I thought I saw your father his clothes I thought it was your dad Sarah tells her that her dad has been dead for 15 years but her mom is sure that it was something else and that it came right up to her window and she just says that face that face all of a sudden, we see Bull walking home, and he passes by one of the abandoned homes, uh, and the front door creaks open, and Bull does the one thing you're not supposed to do in a scary movie slash show. He goes up to the door and calls out, hello, is somebody there? That could not be me. If I'm walking down the street at night and the door creaks open by itself, I'm not going to go investigate. Hell the fuck no. Fucking... That's some white people shit. No, that's not your house. That's not your fucking business. You leave. You run as far away as you possibly can. So, but, oop, uh, I mean, bull is like, no, no one. So he goes up. He's like, hello, is somebody there? And he waits a little. And then someone on the inside mimics the same thing he called out. So someone in the inside responds, hello, is somebody there? In Bull's voice, Bull walks further into the house and asks, who is that? And the person on the other side asks the same thing in his voice, who's that? Bull asks, is that you, Uker? And then something in the corner of the dark abandoned home gets up slowly and attacks Bull. And then we see the front door slowly close. Cut to Father Paul welcoming Lisa into the church, and then he's staring at her during Mass as Beth reads something from the Bible. Father Paul goes up to Lisa to give her the body of Christ, and he says, Body of Christ, Lisa, and he shows her the wafer and steps back, as if asking her to get up from her fucking wheelchair. The mayor asks uh, Father Paul what he's doing, and then Lisa starts wheeling herself forward, but Father Paul steps back even further, and he asks her again, body of Christ.
Lisa's mom looks disgusted and Aaron tells him to stop and how that is cruel. And little Lisa has tears forming in her crocodile eyes. Lisa's mom asks him what is wrong with him. And the mayor says, if this is a joke, father, then it's not funny. And then Lisa pushes herself up from her wheelchair. The people in the church are fucking gasping. They're shocked. Lisa stands up straight and the room is still. No one is fucking breathing. And then Lisa takes one step and then another and then another. She even goes up three stairs to where Father Paul is standing. And Father Paul says for a third time, body of Christ. And Lisa says, amen. End of episode. Fucking chills, bro. I have fucking chills. All right, let's get started with our segment, starting with that shit's traumatizing. Why? Why did Joe's dog, Pike, have to die? Look, kill all the people you want in, like, movies and TV shows, but please don't kill the dog. What did that dog do? Like, fucking Joe said, what did this little dog do to deserve this? Even though the dog was not little, Pike was a fucking, the King Corso black, huge dog type of dog. (laughs) A huge dog type of dog. (laughs) But dude, what the fuck? And then he died horribly in front of the whole congregation. Like, talk about traumatized. And I'm, I'm pretty sure there were children there. And just, like, seeing a dog die right in front of you, the trauma. And then seeing Joe, who literally said that no one in in Crockett Island treats him right, like treats him like a fucking human being, losing the one thing that comforted him, and it was his his companion, his dog. No, Midnight Mass. What are you doing? I know it's for the plot, but please stop killing dogs. <laughs> also, uh, on in that same note, learning that Joe was the one that kind of paralyzed lisa oh like i get i get why the town dislikes him he shot at a girl uh, tra- uh not trauma trauma yes traumatizing her and paralyzing her and he's also the town drunk so he's just there just surviving basically like what's his will to live just like drink well, I guess his will to live was Pike. Yeah, there you go, making the connections. And now they took away the one, the the his one will to live. Oh my God. But also, Joe, why are you still there? Why are you in Crockett Island? Everyone hates you. I want to know what like the like, because obviously, even if it was a shooting accident you would get arrested because I wonder if like Joe already like did his time and was in jail for a while. And then he's just out and about now because he, he did his time. He served his sentence, but like, they don't really go into it. So we never really know. And I I feel like in the flashback of like Lisa, Oh wait, I don't think we've seen that. Yo, no, we have not seen that. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I, I don't think Joe actually went to jail for this crime. And it is a crime. And someone literally could have died. Someone almost literally died. Because they got paralyzed. And no one... Yeah. 
now I have more thoughts about fucking Crockett Island. I wonder who was the sheriff before Sheriff Hassan because you you could tell that he's new there. So there was probably no order in that fucking island. Everyone was wilding out, just doing whatever the fuck they want, just out and about shooting their guns out like crazy people. That's why we need gun regulation. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> Also, learning from Joe uh, that the money from... Oh, no, we didn't learn. <laughs> I keep making shit up. Learning from Riley during the AA session with uh, Father Paul that the money that Beth Kennedy... Beth Kennedy. No, that's 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 one of my claims. I'm going to delete that. <laughs> that Beth Keen. Oh, my God, I'm sorry. Beth, if you're listening, I'm sorry I confused you for <laughs> someone in the show. <laughs> Bev is not listening. Okay. Um, learning that the that Bev Keen basically convinced the whole town or the whole island uh, to take the money from the fucking settle the settlement money from the oil company, fucking dropping all of their oil in their water. And then, like, of course, so if you take the settlement, which I feel like when you're doing a settlement, it seems like a lot of money at first, but it's really, it really isn't. And then you take that money, and then, you know, Bev is like, oh, she was probably like, oh, now that we have this money, let's give it back to God. Fuck that. Fuck that. I hope that some of those people left fucking Crockett Island got the fuck out of there and bought a nice little house well i doubt it was enough money to buy a nice little house out in the mainland but i just hope that some people uh got the fuck out of crockett island because just in this two episodes alone you can tell the type of place that this is uh yeah they they're set on their fucking traditions am i right fucked up fam let's see and what the fuck what the fuck attacked bull I mean, I know. I mean, if you've seen the show, you probably know. But if you don't know, dude, isn't that so scary? Like the fact that, you know, fucking Bull was like, hello, who's there? And then someone from the side, the thing from inside the house literally responded in his same voice. That's fucking scary. They say that that skinwalkers kind of can do that. Um, And you, you don't know what skinwalkers on are i think you need you need to get lost in in reddit for a little bit yeah go get lost in that reddit hole and find out what skinwalkers are and then get scarred for life because you're never gonna want to be alone in a fucking forest or i mean i don't i really don't someone said the other day that they went camping and i'm like ew camping why would you do that like that's literally the premise of every fucking horror movie ever fucking made they go camping they get killed they go camping, a fucking creature is there, and they get killed. You go camping, and then you get lost, and then you get killed. Like, literally. <laughs> Why the fuck would you want to go camping? You can't shower? You gotta fucking, uh, like, dug a little hole in the ground and poop there? No. Fuck the fam. If you, there's something about me, you know, you already know. Bare minimum baddie. Low main is mommy. But I am not a camp ho. I'm sorry. No, that is not who I am at my core. I don't know how the fuck we ended here. But oh, yeah, skinwalker uh, conversation, of course. 
But yeah, who the fuck could talk attack bull? And who the fuck is gonna get these teens at Crockett Island their weed? They're very. I, I feel like it's very shitty weed. I feel like it's like the the lowest of the low, like the bottom of the fucking barrel type of weed. But I mean, my boy bull. My boy Bull is providing to this kids some fucking excitement, some fun. Like, what the fuck do you do in Crockett Island with the population of 137? I don't remember how much the population was. But these kids, like, I feel I feel really bad for them. I mean, I'm <laughs> like, I, there's nothing else. There's nothing else for me to say. That's that's the traumatizing these kids having nothing to do while growing up and just basically having to become adults so fast. Also, um, lastly, I think the uh, that shit's traumatizing segment, a miscarriage uh, scare, like uh, fucking Erin, when she looked down and she thought she was bleeding, well, she was bleeding, but then like getting checked up and making sure that everything was okay. Look, I respect a woman's right to choose. So if a woman chooses not to have a baby, I respect that. And if a woman chooses to have a baby, I respect that too. I have no thoughts. I just vibes. No thoughts out in the world. Just vibes about uh, pregnancy. But, you know, that must be fucking scary. Like, you really... Like, you can tell that Erin really, really wants to have this baby. You can tell from the beginning. She calls the little baby uh, Littlefoot. And she's just, like, really excited. Like, she's happy. She's fucking glowing. Of course, she's Kate fucking Siegel. Of course she's glowing because he's fucking gorgeous. I'm sorry for cussing that much. <laughs> but she looks terrified to think that something might be wrong with uh, her unborn unborn child. So I, I that had to be added to the traumatizing segment. Let's go over to our that shit's heartwarming segment. <laughs> when fucking Sarah and her date are at the carnival thingy after was it what was it like um Ash Wednesday where they have that little carnival after church, and then Father Paul is just staring at them, and then Sarah realizing like oh I always thought like he would always stare at me when I was young, and I always thought thought like oh my god he knows he fucking knows God fucking told him that I'm gay oh gay people. Uh, gay people that have been raised uh, religious. Did y'all feel like that? Did y'all feel like like the pastor or the priest or whatever, the minister, whatever you want to fucking call it? I don't know. Did y'all, if you were raised religious, did you feel like they knew you were queer? I want to know. Hit me up. Like, <laughs> did you walk into church or wherever you went uh, and were was like, oh my God, oh my God, God knows and I'm here and I'm sinning uh let me know i'm intrigued uh let's and then uh, okay i didn't know where to put the this uh part but i it didn't fall under traumatizing it didn't fall under heartwarming really but okay i guess it's like a little bit of both like fucking father paul like trying to give um lisa the little the little wafer the little body of christ um and then him like walking away from her knowing goddamn well that that girl is in a wheelchair and then like making like kind of like it seemed like he was like taunting her like you can do this try this and obviously it, it ended up working out in his favor because she did get up and i guess that's the heartwarming part she got up and she walked towards him she walked up the fucking stairs and took the body of christ like by herself no help at all so it like worked out for him but what if it hadn't you know <laughs> like what the fuck he would have been the asshole 
priest that like did that to a disabled girl. So yeah, I didn't know where to put this, but I feel like it had to be included. It had to be talked about. And as you know, when things like these, uh, when things like these happen in a church, y'all know what they're going to call them. So be prepared for it to be called a miracle, of course. And let's see. So in a scale of one through 10, how much did this episode fuck me up? I guess I would give it. I oh, the dog dying, bro. The dog dying fucked me up. I would give it a five. I feel like it deserves a a a, a low five, a low uh, five point one. <laughs> Why didn't I just make it a five point oh? I don't know a five point one. No, no, I'm gonna give it a high four, a four point eight. There, there you go. And I guess the Savage of the Week award goes to, I haven't even thought about it. The Savage of the Week award, I think it goes to Father Paul, my dude out here taunting a little girl that is disabled to get the fuck up. (laughs) He was fucking Kim Kardashian. Like people people are not out here working. People are lazy. He was basically telling her, like, you lazy piece of shit, get the fuck up and get this body of Christ. And she did. And for that, Father Paul uh, deserves the recognition. But I guess, I mean, Lisa made the effort. So does the Savage of the Week award go to Lisa? I think it's a duo this week. It goes to Lisa and Father Paul because they worked as a team. So, yes, let's give the Savage of the Week award to both of them. And, yeah. Uh, that's that's it folks uh, <laughs> we have gotten to the end of our episode how fucking exciting so you already know the drill uh follow the podcast on instagram and twitter on instagram where that show f me up f is spelled e-f-f-e-d on twitter where that d-a-t show fuck me up fuck this spelled without a u so f-c-k-e-d give the podcast a five-star review on apple podcast and spotify this is how the podcast gets visibility you want other people to hear me talk a bunch of shit about shows that me and you like you want me to traumatize other people do you want me to just curse in other people's ears really loudly they're missing out on all my cursing and honestly honestly that is so sad but yeah uh, recommend this fucking podcast to people that like tv shows the same tv shows that you like and if they don't because i've had some listeners that like i i wasn't really fucking with like the tv shows that you were doing but i still listened and i ended up liking them so you never fucking know recommended it to your mom to your dad they might not like my cursing they might disagree with my thoughts but i mean they should still listen right we're trying to educate our people <laughs> let's tell your parents to listen to this podcast to get a little education even though they should not be listening to me about anything at all uh maybe just for for funsies tell them to listen to me for funsies recommend me to your sister to your brothers um to your siblings to to your pastor huh? <laughs> 
<laughs> if you go to fucking church, bro, uh, recommend me to your priest, to your pastor. I wanna let's have a conversation with them. What if I get a priest to do the uh, the wrap up episode? That would be so much fun, wouldn't it? Like that would be really cool. Uh, get me in contact with your local priest. Just kidding. Don't. Uh, no. No. Imagine we do it through the confessional. That would be so cool. <laughs> No, it wouldn't. No, it would not. Please stop me. Someone take this mic away from me. All right. All right. All right. Let's wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening. If you got to the end, if you got through this last last 15 minutes of madness, uh, thank you. You're a trooper. You deserve the world. Bechos. Um, but yeah, you already know the drill. Uh, be gentle. Be kind. And don't be an asshole. Unless you absolutely have to be. Goodbye.